The declared state of emergency, the regular meeting of the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee on November 15, 2021 will be conducted telephonically through Zoom and broadcast live on the city's website. Um, so welcome everybody. Usually uh, we have Aaron Roller, who is our chair, who is not here today. So tonight we have, um, we do have a quorum, so I'll call the roll at this point in time. So Vice Chair Kieran Culligan? Here. Wonderful. And uh, uh, Commissioner Jessica Penrod. Jessica, are you here? I see you. Yeah, okay. She's moving. <laughs> All right, Commissioner you. Regan Fulton. Here. Wonderful. All right. Are you here? There you are. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. So I think that was our, our first item, which was called to order. Our second item is public comment on items not on the agenda. This is the time to hear from citizens regarding matters that are not on the agenda, except in very limited situations. State law pro, uh, precludes the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee from taking action on or engaging in discussions concerning items of business that are not on the agenda. However, the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee may refer matters not on the agenda to city staff or direct that the subject be agendized for future meetings. If you want to make a comment during the public comment portion of the agenda, you can use the raise your hand, raise hand function in the Zoom under reactions, um, and or you can press star nine if you are calling in. Staff will select you from the meeting queue. Uh, please be patient while we uh, wait for the queue. If you do not want to speak during the public comment portion of the agenda, you are welcome and encouraged to submit an email to me, which is kmcgowan at sausalito.gov. So with that, do we have any members of the public who would like to address the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee at this time? I don't see any, Mr. Vice Chair. Oh, you're muted there, sir. We can move on to the next topic on the agenda. Okay. So I don't see any hands for public comment. And I think we're on to item three, which is approval of the minutes from October 18th. I'll make a motion to... I'm sorry. Uh, I, will, I heard Regan's motion to approve the minutes, and I will second said motion. All right. <laughs> So, uh, Commissioner Jessica Penrod? Yes. Thank you. And uh, Commissioner Regan Fulton? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. And Vice Chairman Kieran Culligan? Yeah. Wonderful. So that matter carries. Um, our next item on the agenda is regular business items. And I think we have a discussion about bike racks this evening. And Vice Chairman, you had a presentation, and I also have a presentation if we're going to need some slides. But I think it's probably best for you to just uh, step in because uh, you had an idea of what you wanted to cover since this is your folks' meeting. Great. Thank you, Kevin. So I'm going to share my screen. Stand by here while I get this queued up. Okay, let me know. Can you see the presentation is appearing? Perfect. So I just put together a couple of pages on the two topic items for today. 
first one being bike parking. This is a, I'll call it a first round discussion on the topic. I know we've touched on it very briefly in the past. It's just an opportunity to engage both staff, the committee, our city council member, and members of the public to get some early input. You know, where is their energy around um, pushing for some solutions? What are hot spots? Is this something we should be prioritizing in terms of the topics we're really pushing on? Um, just to touch on regulations, because we do have some special regulations as it pertains to parking in the downtown area. So I just threw this up very briefly to ground ourselves. Um, and then, you know, the main takeaway here is at the bottom that there's basically no parking in the downtown area unless it's within a designated bicycle parking zone or fixed item specifically intended for bicycle parking. Uh, the peak period is from 11 in the morning till 7 p.m. at night, any day of the week, all year round. In the downtown area, uh, I'm gonna botch this slightly, but it's basically a little bit south of the um, Angelinos and, and those restaurants to just a little bit north of basically the bus pad. Um, so that, that's generally that, that downtown area. But as we can see here, if there is actual designated parking, it is allowed under this regulation, whether it's provided by the city or it's provided by a um, tenant or a prop, private property owner. So one of, you know, one of the sanity checks was, are, do our regulations actually even support any level of bike parking in, I'll call it, non-standard areas in the downtown? And I think it does. Um, so just wanted to cover that very briefly. Um, one one thing that was interesting as I thought about bike parking as it stands today is that you know, sometimes I hear a narrative that bicycles are, are not a particular valuable customer type to software businesses. But what's interesting is there is a kind of long and growing list of businesses, in, in particular restaurants, coffee shops. Um, that are actually taking their very precious private space or leased space and setting aside rooms specifically for bicycles. I know Trident you know, sets aside room that could easily be a couple of parking spaces. Equator sets aside room that you know, could either be additional table space for bike parking. It's quite full on the weekends. Barbachi has an area that they've set aside for bike parking as it has joinery, at least two parking spaces. Firehouse Coffee, Fish, I'm sure I've missed miss some others. So um, just a reminder here that these are people where um, in some of these cases they rely on public street parking for cars to come to their establishments. So, you know, essentially free or, or subsidized city infrastructure that is serving those businesses or that is uh, subsidized or free city infrastructure for cars. And yet, you know, they're, they're basically paying out of their own pocket, setting aside their own space to serve bicycles. In interesting observation. Um, and bike racks, you know, you might think it's a pretty simple thing, but it's actually an evolving topic, uh, both in terms of thinking about where they go, thinking about how they're shaped, thinking about how uh, visually you establish them, thinking about where you can put them. This is from San Francisco's building department, which has a pretty nice uh, online document that they share publicly about um, kind of many angles of where to put bike parking. Um, some things that I've never fully internalized, but as I read in this document, 
um, you want two port you want two points of support for bicycles where you put them so um, we'll see on the next page some examples of, that are counter to that that are actually more typical and which we see in town um, also square tubing is now much preferred over the round tubing because it is more resistant to cutting um, so out of that same document these are things which actually are much more common around our town uh, but are pointed out now as unacceptable forms of bike parking that just aren't secure they're easy to cut they aren't particularly stable for the bikes because it's one or you know, kind of barely more than one point of contact um, you can you very easily fit 10 bicycles in one car parking space um, here's an example of a place where that's been done uh, i think we're seeing that in, in more and more places and especially if you've got a, a corner or a spot like caledonia as an example with the bollard placement there's essentially a dead parking spot now the perfect opportunity to put in something like this where you have bike parking maybe it can even be constructed in a way such it's removable if it needs to, to move there's plenty of room to park a stroller to park a different type of, of mobility device if you have one uh, kids bikes whatever you've got scooters um, you can also make these fun so these don't have the same restrictions. I know these have also been done with crosswalks. That's a little bit more complicated as far as regulations go, but um, you know, I think it's exciting to call attention to these spaces because in many cases they're new. People don't always know what's available to them. And so calling out, um, there is room for bikes. Maybe you didn't bring your bike down to, to downtown in the past, but let's call attention as new things pop up such that we can make it appealing. It's known people are, are excited about trying something. Here's one that I thought was particularly clever. It was a, uh, a, in Holland, a mobile bike parking that they could actually move around, um, even even covered for poor weather. But uh, it just shows you some of the creativity that we're seeing out there. Uh, th this is another visual from the San Francisco Building Department, calling out some of the places like where you have essentially non-pavement space, but it's essentially non-usable for parking. Um, really good places to to put in bike parking. Another visual of putting, um, I think there's nine bikes, but putting up to 10 bikes with some protection in a standard parallel parking space. This is more similar to what we have um, you know, in many spaces around town. So I um, suggest, there's two initial focus areas that I would suggest. Um, I'll, I'll, I think this is my last page. Yep, this is my last page, so I'll, I'll stop here and either switch over to any pages Kevin would like to show a discussion. Am I, suggested initial focus areas would be one the bridgeway area south of princess um, you know it's one that i think is quite popular for locals who might want to go down there they want a place to park their bike whether they're coming from um, further north or they're coming from old town um, there's a number of restaurants there but kind of certainly no line of sight uh, to the bike parking that it would be further to the north um and you know i know I've, I've definitely experienced it myself i've noticed other people you know, like trying to find just some place to put a bike while you're, while you're trying to um, patronize the local businesses the other one i would suggest as an initial focus area would be caledonia street and just behind this road closed head sign um, is essentially unusable space um, which would be great for some bicycle parking some stroller parking scooter parking, some wheelchair or mobility device parking. Um, so those are two that, uh, that jumped out to me as areas that could be exciting and quite useful 
to residents, um, certainly for other users, but especially residents when it comes to bike parks. So I'll stop there um, and would love to uh, hear some discussion, ideas, are there other areas that folks would like to focus, um, would like to focus, are there, is there anything really interesting you've seen in terms of new ways to approach bike parks? I have a question, Kieran. Yeah. This is a, a great um, idea and great presentation. I, I thought your presentation also included some discussion of um, daylighting intersections, or is that a separate presentation? That is for our pedestrian improvements agenda item. Okay. Uh, so there is a nexus of, if you are daylighting, great yeah. use of that now daylighted section is by parking, um, so yeah. Okay, right, so that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. So what are the regulations uh, surrounding that? If you did eliminate a car space, yep. So from this, is that on the street? Are, the, are those bikes ending up on the, what, what was the bike? Yeah, so this, this is, um, the picture has, um, they're, they're on the pavement, but it's kind of, I mean, that configuration is a little bit different than we're looking at, because it would be a full parking with space that has been daylighted. Yeah. Usually when you have that much real estate that's been daylighted, the suggestion is actually to, to have the, uh, the bicycle parking turn 90 degrees from that photo. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is where we'd want to consult. Our city staff, probably our traffic engineer of exactly what the regulations are. Right. Okay, so th that makes perfect sense. I mean, because if the law states that we can't have cars there, but that we can have bikes, that's that's wonderful. That's just a, a perfect solution. So, Mr. Vice Chair, I've got a couple slides to show as well, if that's all right. Um, Great, I'll stop sharing here, Kevin. Thank hold you. Up. <laughs> You're way too fast. That one slide of the end of Caledonia there, Caledonia Pine that you had before. Oh, yeah. That's an important slide, and I would agree. I think that's a great spot to put some bicycle parking. And I believe um, uh, Councilwoman Cleveland Knowles had mentioned that as well, right on the corner there. I think that's a great spot. The other picture that you have across from Yeetok Chi Park is a little more difficult. And so we'll have to pay a little more attention to that area. And the reason is that they've got some parklets there where the sidewalk area is rather narrow. So I'd have to look at it a little bit more, but possibly putting some bike parking in there is a good idea. But in that area, it's getting more and more um, constrained with pedestrian access, outside dining, as well as parklets. There may be an opportunity at the corner of Princess and Bridgeway. There's a construction project happening there, actually two of them. And there may be an opportunity when that construction project finishes up to make some bike parking on the street. I'd have to take a little closer look at it, but it seems to be close to the right area that you're talking about. Great, yeah, I'd love to talk um, in the future. If there's a way to learn about those construction projects at Princess and Bridgeway, um, could be relevant to PDAC. I know some of us have talked about um, at Princess Street, so the, you know, the, the Princess crosswalk, the crosswalk that bisects Princess there, it's a really long crossing, um, right? So if there was a bulb out or if there was you know, even some bike parking to essentially make that 
a, a shorter, safer crossing for pedestrians, it could have multiple uses. Okay. So if you could, let me share my screen here. And um, here we go. Let's take a look at this one here. All right. Um, similar slides to Kieran's slides. I simply wanted to point out that we do have some uh, bicycle parking in town on various areas. Uh, this little picture off to the side shows this funny shaped thing next to, uh, I believe this is a newspaper stand, down near, I think it's Johnson and Bridgeway. And there are a couple more uh, throughout town similar. Um, our senior engineer gave me a list of 24 locations. I haven't verified these. These could be fairly old, but we've According to this list I have, we do have 24 uh, bike parking stations, but I'm pretty sure those are pretty old. I wanted to show some different types tonight. Um, different cities have gone through this many different times, and there's, there's two main things um, in my eyes. One is what Kieran brought up is where the heck do you put these and to make them safe? And the other one is what shape do you want to use as a standard? So here's some ideas just for you to look at. I wasn't aware that the square tubes are less um, prone to being vandalized, but um, no problem. I just wanted to pick up a couple of these and show you some different options that, uh, that are around the state. I'm pretty sure Sacramento actually put in some of these up here in the corner with uh, the, the kind of tubing that looks like a bicycle. Well, many other areas have the regular U-shaped things with um, a logo in the middle. So you can have all sorts of different things. Just wanted to mention those. Uh, we can look at all of those type of things, but I think the discussion that we kind of wanted to get to is what we just talked about is where do we put these? So that's the first step. And then the second one is, is there a preference to have a certain style? Do we want to have a characteristic style for Sausalito? So I'll stop sharing my screen at this point and Turn it back over to the group. Thank you very much. I would semi um, facetiously say that they should be shaped like elephants. <laughs> you bet, we can do that. I wonder, maybe, should we actually pause here to take public comment? So unless there's any questions for myself or Kevin, should we pause for public comment and then we can move to discussion? It's up to you, Mr. Vice Chair. All right. Yeah, let's take public comment. I see, I think I believe, I think Kevin Carroll beat David Sito to it. So start with Kevin. All right, Kevin, we're lowering your hand at this point. I think you're up. Mr. Carroll? Uh-oh. There we go. Took a minute for it to unmute. Um, one other spot that I've brought up in the past and I can send you lots of pictures is the bathroom at 750 Bridgeway. Uh, there's still no signage showing people that there's the bike rack behind it. And we still, even under COVID, get a lot of people who lean their bikes up against the building or just uh, if they have a kickstand, they start blocking the sidewalk for all the other pedestrians. Um, the people taking their bikes actually into the bathroom, they're usually more careful now when it's crowded, uh, now that the crowds are starting to come back. But that's still going on where some of the bicyclists uh, take their bikes with them into the bathroom. So that's a problem area. Thank you. 
Thank you, Kevin. All right, uh, David Suto. Suto. Hey, David. You know, I think we're ready for you. Okay. Good evening. Um, thanks for having us on the on the agenda. This has always been a hot topic for me. Um, I would I would point out to add to your your background that we actually do have a, a, a parking zoning uh, rule that says for every uh, twenty by uh, twenty car parking spots you have to provide at least one rack with four uh, bicycle parking spots. I don't know if I've ever seen it actually used in a development, mostly because we don't usually have developments with that size um, of new parking, um, but it, it is on the books. Uh, so, oh, and on, uh, on Caledonia Street, we have a number, you know, Pine Street and Johnson um, and uh, locals all have ball valve areas and it would be some of them are kind of marginal for put, locating bike parking on but it would be great if a if we could see if any of those are available to put bike parking on or if um you know when we're doing future uh redesigns of the street uh we looked at putting you know making those amenable to to putting bike parking on um, so, you know, directly next to your picture, uh, the up, opposite side of the, of the Pine Street there, you know, we have those three old wooden bullards there with kind of a diagonal missing spot, which with a little modification would also make a great stroller or bicycle kind of repository location. I believe that's right next to the old theater. Does that sound right on Pine right, Street? Right, right, right. Yeah. Also, I mean, we have a few parking spots next to the police station. It looks like there's room for more. And and from a security standpoint, sometimes that's a preferable spot for people to park. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, right, thank you, David. Next is Karen uh, Karen Weiner. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm really, really excited to see this item on the agenda. Um, I just wanted to give uh, a perspective as a person who's lived in Sausalito for a long time. Uh, and now, you know, I, I have an electric bike and I work with a lot of people who ride electric bikes. There's a lot of local transport. And so uh, I often personally have issues parking like today, for example, uh, at Poggio. Um, there is no bicycle parking along that that stretch of Bridgeway. Um, so there are, you know, I, I think that um, that is a, a more central location, but it's true also if you look at the bicycle parking at the police station or at the playgrounds, oftentimes they're kind of outdated. And by, in, by installing the proper type of uh, kind of well-designed bicycle parking in key places, I think one really stands to give credence to your local riders and to actually encourage people to use bicycles a lot more to get to local businesses, to reduce traffic on the street, et cetera. Um, so just really wanted to encourage you to um, come up with a cool design specifically for, you know, that's something that is really Sausalito um, because in a town 
that has kind of a, an opinion about bicycle parking that is a positive opinion, I think what you will see is an increased usage of local uh, utility bicycling, which I would argue has a lot of benefits for the community and keeping money local. So thank you. Thank you, Karen. All right, Mr. Vice Chair, I don't see any other hands for this item right now. Great, let's close public comment. Okay, bring it back so to I you. Great, I think we can move on to discussion now. Um, any, I'll pause, I'll pause here to see if there's any other. Yeah, Jessica, please. I guess I, I just really thank you for the presentation for both of you and coming up with these ideas. I. I would strongly support having bicycle parking um, as group parking instead of kind of the one-off stands. I do think that the one-off stands are appropriate in some places. I think that the one that you showed, um, Kevin, was right in front of Firehouse. It, I think it was that corner of that picture. Um, and I think it's appropriate to have the single bike in some locations where it's kind of not as central, but maybe a little bit more for the local to run an errand. But for our populated areas, having the multiple and repurposing this um, bike area, I think draws people's attention to know that that's a good place to park. Um, so I, I would encourage having the multiple in the more populated areas. And it creates a little bit more, um, I guess, kind of a cleaner sidewalk if we don't have the individuals strung about too often. Yep. Yes, it does make a difference. You know, if we use those parking spots on the street, um, ones that may not be utilized such as at the corner of pine and caledonia right now that's a good spot for a, a several different bike racks all in one spot yeah you know i missed a hand um could we reopen public comment and uh, hear from bill sure thing mr hines i'm lowering your hand good to see thank you. you very much um yeah as uh you know speaking from the landscape architects uh perspective, I just wanted to echo the last two comments about the design of the racks. I think, um, you know, it, it is important to say something unique about Sausalito. Uh, I think there's an opportunity for, you know, a cohesive theme uh, or, you know, kind of some branding and, and wayfinding with it all um, and, you know, possibly a few distinct designs. Um, and I also think that, uh, you know, the racks should be selected by somebody you know, with experience uh, kind of doing that. Um, a lot of the racks that can be a little bit more themey aren't necessarily the most functional. And, um, you know, using uh, a certain quantity of racks in an urban fabric, it is important to look at, you know, kind of the density that you can get and uh, the fact that you can lay out the bike parking areas uh, so that they're nicely organized, um, you know, from a visual perspective, uh, some opportunities for some planting and screen around and you know that they're actually functional for uh, some of the other bikes uh, bike types that we have now with uh, trailer bikes cargo bikes things that require a little bit more maneuvering space um, and also uh, sort of nicely distributed uh, both for residents and uh, you know the obvious uh, uh, tourist bike population um, so thank you Great, thank you, Bill. Okay, going back to committee member discussion. Regan, any other 
Any comments? Well, I'm going to take that as a ringing endorsement of the elephant idea. So I, um, I'm going to push that. Um, the Caledonia Street, I think, is is a wonderful opportunity. Um, I, my wife and I, take uh, the opportunity to ride to Yoshi's for everybody's birthday and for anniversaries and things like that. And we ride bikes um, intentionally. However, it's it's really hard to to park nearby, and you know you don't want to go too far with an expensive bike because you feel uncomfortable for security and so on. So you, you're really hitting upon uh, an important need, I think, when you, when you say we should have good parking that is semi-exposed, but uh, Mr. Hines also mentioned uh, screening, which I think is, is important as well for aesthetics. Um, so he, and he brought up uh, another really important thing to consider, which is the the trend toward larger um, functional bikes for utility bikes. Yeah. So there's a lot to consider, but I, I think it's the time is now for us to, to make a stand and, and say that bikes matter and uh, parking needs to be devoted to it. Great, and I'm glad I'm glad Bill jumped in with his comment because we had another topic as I think as we were thinking about bike lanes and he had a great comment to me about taking advantage of the artistic wealth that we have in Sausalito. Is this a place where we could do the same? Um, maybe not for all bike racks, but yeah, whether it's the elephant or a sea lion or a sailboat or you know something that captures our Sausalito spirit our seaside nature, is there something we could do that, you know, that'd be really fun, at least for some of key locations. That is also practical, because I have definitely seen, you know, some of these designs that look really nice, it's like, okay, how do you actually hook up a bike? You can't hook up multiple bikes, you know, they, they, um, they're much more feature, they're much more designed than they are actual purpose. Great, I think that probably, oh, Susan. Uh, yeah, thanks, so I just, um, as Kevin mentioned, I was just bringing up that spot on Caledonia when we were having our Caledonia item at the city council last week. So I'm really excited that um, you're thinking about this in a more holistic way. Um, you know, it's just something I feel like we need so much more of. Um, I just want to echo the comments of the person who, the member of the public who spoke about um, e-bike parking. Um, I've been talking for a long time about more safe parking for commuters down by the ferry landing. And now as people are restarting their commutes. Um, so I take the 30 a lot and I take the ferry a lot and would love to ride my e-bike down there and park it because I can pick up a shared bicycle in San Francisco or use Muni. I don't need my bike there necessarily. Um, but it's really helpful. It's just so much quicker in the morning and getting home. So I think, you know, safe parking for um, around town for that. I, I also just wanted to pick up on two things about um, one is the daylighting. So using this as a great way to not completely lose the, you know, parking and get more people supportive of daylighting, um, I think is great. Like right at, 
I've always thought that intersection in front of Robin Sweeney is very dangerous with cars parked all the way up to the curb and the crosswalk there. Um, you know, kids darting out and people coming very fast off the bridgeway to Caledonia approach. So if there's a way, you know, but there's always it's hard to, you know, you've got a stroller or your bike and you're going to the park, you know, so using some of that space, Karen, as some of your examples showed would be great. So that um, synchronicity would be amazing. And then also I think we could really explore synchronicity with the businesses. Um, and you showed some examples of businesses that were already devoting some of their parking to bikes, but I think, um, you know, drivers might be um, a great uh, possible partnership. And then I know a lot of the businesses on Princess Street have talked about how to draw um, folks up the hill a little bit more. So while I love the idea of the bike parking at the intersection, it might get more business support to remove a parking space if it were up the hill a little bit um, so that residents and visitors might be able to park and then frequent some of those less visible stores. So might be a conversation to have with EDAC um, or maybe just directly with the businesses themselves. Anyway, this is, this is great. And the art, I love the art um, on the pavement um, and kind of trying to do a thematic approach around town could be really fun. So thanks, thanks Karen for bringing us really great, great energy. I, I just have maybe one additional comment kind of on the, a topic that I've heard a couple of times is like the safety and security of, of bikes, especially as bikes do have quite a, you know, you can easily spend three to $10,000 on a bike right now. Um, that just the, um, the importance of having the security built around it. And I have not honestly been tracking what's happening with the Bank of America building, but something that is maybe a, a city, part of an area that has some city oversight that potentially could have the additional security built into it. I just wonder if that might also be a nice solution that kind of bridges where there's a ferry, but also having some additional kind of you know, maybe a little bit more of a secure place, whether it's an actual fenced in area that has cameras on it or something like that, it just might be a nice thing for people that regularly on, on nice bikes. I've got written down bike lockers for lot one, as well as um, the Bank of America building. So those work in other areas throughout the county, such as Civic Center. Uh, we had quite a few bike lockers there as well. And we might want to look at that um, here in Sausalito. Yeah, that's great. And it is in, I believe it is in our strategic plan. Um, so it is mentioned in there about physical covered parking close to the ferry. So supportive of that. Um, and it's a really good call out, Jessica, that, you know, in the past, you know, if you, you've got a really expensive bike, you're probably going for a proper road ride and, or mountain bike ride and you're just stopping for a bit. Um, but with e-bikes, uh, these bikes that can cost quite a bit are being used for much more utilitarian reasons um, and they need to be secure. Otherwise, uh, yeah, obviously they have a great problem. So a quick question for the group. Do you have any recommendation on style at this point? And one of the things I brought up is it would be nice to put in some bike parking there at uh, Caledonian Pine. Uh, we have a little time before the springtime, but I'd like to at least get an idea of what the group might think of to put in there. Um, 
Let me share my screen one more time, just for the heck of it. And I'm just picking these ones in the middle of the screen here, where you can put a logo in the middle of it. Obviously, we would want square bars. But um, I think that some of these other ones tend to be a little too fancy, and they will be very expensive. But being able to have the center area that can have a logo and put paint on the ground might be a good idea. What I propose is to bring this back to this committee. Um, let's see, we don't meet until January. So we should have something back in January um, to see what you folks think. Will that be acceptable? I'm supportive of that. I'm in support. Okay. I can try to put on my plate. I guess I would just also be interested, Kevin, I think it's a great idea for the bike locker concept. Um, and again, I don't have research to support what I'm about to say, so my apologies, but I, I just from visual um, assessment, a lot of what I had seen in San Francisco is unfortunately some of those bike lockers were um, being repurposed for, um, I, I guess, essentially broken into and then being repurposed for kind of storage of, of personal gear of, of the unhoused. Um, so I guess I just would kind of as things are changing around our community, just kind of consider like how that may um, be something that we just would need to address at some point. Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good comment in that security is an issue. And if it's a city bike locker, do we, do we have people sign up for a lock? Or, you know, how do we administer that is the, is the piece of question. And there is bike link, which is the one that, um, is what administers at least the ones in the city um, back in the day and that you know it was like a twenty dollar base card and it was pennies essentially to use but um yeah and i think that was essentially part of the issue also was that it was so inexpensive to actually get access to a card that you could easily do so yep good comments okay Great. i think we can move on to the next agenda item okay mr vice chair i think you had um, you had some slides on that as well, and I, I don't think we're on the exact same page with the next item, but I think we'll go ahead and move with your, with your item. I'll bring mine up a little bit later on. Great. Um, so I view this one as a, if that was kind of introductory discussion, but we have an actual ask. Um, we might have the same thing here on one of these topics, but um, overall, and hopefully my screen is up, um, so pedestrian improvement is a discussion topic, you know, not, nothing for vote here. Um, but I wanted to talk about you know, four pedestrian improvement subtopics. So, you know, and some of them are just a little bit of, uh, you know, highlighting. Um, I listened in recently to the priority setting discussion uh, with city council, the city manager, um, all the directors are there, I believe. Like we heard a great importance of infrastructure. Hopefully that means there's some more staffing and uh, support headed Kevin's way. Um, but I think there's an increasing recognition of how important that is. And you know, as a piece of that is infrastructure for pedestrians. And so four subtopics um, that I'll hit on briefly. One just loss of access. So we have a pretty significant amount of um, pieces of our pedestrian infrastructure that are just out of commission at the moment. So the North Street stairs are out of commission. The Langendorf stairs are out of condition both for over a year. Um, the Marinship stairs are not public, um, so they are maintained or owned by a private party, but certainly um, got a lot of public use. Those are now out of commission. The 
East Bridgeway sidewalk south of Nevada um, has technically, I guess you can work on it, but there's a sign saying unsafe sidewalk, use other side. Um, there's a set of steps that I, as far as I can tell are public steps, but they're closed with the fence to private property between Platt and Ray. Um, so those are, you know, hopefully they're temporary that they come back, but those are um, full-time loss of access. And we also have some pretty significant uh, little stretches that we lose when we get king tides. So the Spinnaker walkway, the Gate 5 road at Heath, I'm sure I'm missing some others, uh, much more significant areas that we lose to the king tides just outside of city of Sausalito boundary, um, especially around the floating homes and heading up towards the seaplane base, but I haven't included those in this list. Um, you know, just a reminder that you know, this, this is you know, pretty important infrastructure. Also, unique infrastructure brings a lot to the community. As far as safety hotspots, there's many that we have discussed before. Many of them are already on a, you know, either already funded on the CIP, um, are coming next year. So I won't dwell on all of these, but just to replay a few of the ones that um, we talked about in the past, you know, Endor, I bring up here, would be the Bridgeway Waterfront. Um, it's quite a stretch um, from, I believe, uh, second, I'm trying to think of even where the first, it's maybe Main Street to Princess. It's a quite a long stretch with no crosswalks. We have the Bridgeway and Princess intersection. Um, which, as I mentioned before, is just quite long. Um, it's a long, long walk. Um, not a lot of protection for, for pedestrians. Bridgeway and Anchor is basically it's just like another super wide in, in intersection, multiple crosswalks, which at first blush you might think, oh, that's good for pedestrians because there's multiple places to cross. Actually puts you at risk because drivers don't even know where to look. Um, drivers, you know, I'll, I'll call out drivers and bicycles here. Just like there's almost too many places you have to be watching for pedestrians in that area. The whole bridgeway section between San Carlos and Napa is, I believe, our highest hotspot for incidents, both for bicycles as well as pedestrians. Uh, the Coloma and Tamales intersection is a you know, common crossing path for, especially for students, as they're um, maybe heading from point south towards the, the campus on Nevada Street. Um, no crosswalk there, but we know we have some funding on the way to look at it, uh, and I'm sure others. Another topic that we've, um, I know we have in our general plan, it has been mentioned in a few places, but I would love to potentially talk about getting something going, would be wayfinding. Um, we have some really unique ways to get about our town. Sometimes I just find myself going for a walk and taking every random set of stairs I can find. It's, it's actually one of my favorite things within Sausalito you really have to know where you're going. There aren't many signs, places that did have signs, I've noticed are now gone, uh, disappeared multiple times in some cases. Um, and I don't think it's for someone to collect it. I think it was someone, um, or I won't, I won't make speculation here. But I would love to see us making the most of this um, really unique asset. And you know, wayfinding is a topic that could have application all over. I like signs for getting everywhere, whether it's by bike, whether it's walking, whether it's another mode of sustainable transportation. But, you know, what I'm proposing is we particularly start with a program to sign our stairs. Um, what I've made here is, you know, 
not taking advantage of the artistic nature of Sausalito. We could do that here as well. Um, but you know, as an example, um, at the top and bottom of every set of stairs, whether it's on a wall, whether it's on a post, whether it's maybe just hanging to the railing, could we actually sign that walkway? Um, sometimes it's a stair, sometimes it's a path, but let's sign it. Um, let's make it really clear that it's a public right of way, it's for people to walk, maybe we can provide them some some additional information about those steps if they want to learn about it. Um, that could also connect with some ways to potentially gamify it, encourage citizens to travel all of the stairs in 2022, um, to have people um, track the number of steps they've walked around town. Um, we can increase awareness, increase utilization, have people feel really happy and proud of this asset that they have in town, get more exercise, take a trip in by foot instead of by car, tons of advantages to that. Um, rather than pitching something to make a ta make two signs for every stretch of stairs and go install it as kind of all at once, um, my question would be as we move into the discussion part of this phase of this topic is, could we start, essentially, can you give us a budget, Kevin, where we could um, work within that, you know, potentially stay below the CIP threshold and just get started? Um, have it develop a template, pick a couple of stairs that we'd like to get started with, and, and get rolling. Um, and I'm sure the PVAC would be very happy to work on marketing, think about ways to attach this, to gamify things, uh, to engage our, our artists. So that was the topic on wayfinding. And then the last one is on intersection daylighting. So as you think about pedestrian improvements, um, certainly. Safe, you know, being safe is the most important improvement you can make for pedestrians. One of the places where you're most at risk as a pedestrian is crossing the street. Um, hopefully you're crossing the street in the crosswalk. Um, if, you do if you happen to have a crosswalk, one of the most dangerous aspects is cars. Um, and in this case, actually parked cars that are occluding the vision from the driver. So in this case, imagine you're the driver here, you're approaching this intersection, um, you can barely see the head of a parent, and you cannot at all see this child who is completely occluded by the hood of this truck. This truck is parked legally, um, the way that the curb is currently painted, but it's a risk. Um, you know, in this case, it's, it's near a school. We're not talking about particular intersections in this discussion, but um, certainly just flagging it as a discussion area as it pertains to um, pedestrian improvements. You know, and the call out here is that. Um, under the you know, current Uniform Vehicle Code, um, which is something that I know we follow because there's a lot of things we didn't do on Nevada Street because it didn't meet this same code, um, is that no, no person shall, shall is a, you know, the second strongest language you can use in, um, in this regulation or in this um, standard, is, you know, no vehicle may park within 20 feet at a crosswalk at an, at an intersection. So what I take that to mean is anything that is being repaved, repainted, redesigned when it comes to parking, if, if, it, does, if it has parking within 20 feet of an intersection, it's probably not going to be allowed under the Uniform Vehicle Code, which I know we take seriously as a standard in the city. And so we've got a lot of those spots, whether it's near the school, whether it's on Caledonia Street, whether it's on Bridgeway Street, Unfortunately, it means losing parking spaces. Hopefully, you know, there's ways we can pick that up by making it bicycle parking. Um, but it's a matter of safety. Uh, and uh, you know, just calling that out here as an important item as it relates to our improvements. 
um, just a few visuals. And here you can see the example. So I think in many cases, parking is as close as two feet um, to the sidewalk. So we're 90% we're away from, from the standard. Okay, and that's all I had on my presentation. All right. Um, I'm not too sure, Mr. Vice Chair, of what you would like to do at this point. I had a different idea of this item completely. So um, not too sure what you would have in mind at this point. I would love to hear your take on the topic of pedestrian improvement, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to share my screen, folks. And the intent, hold on here. The originally when I um, talked to Kieran about this item, I wanted to bring up something called the sidewalk program. And as you probably know, um, the sidewalks within Sausalito and throughout the state are to be maintained by the, the fronting property owner. So not everybody knows this, however. And so throughout the city of Sausalito, we have many sidewalks that are displaced. and the traditional way to go back and fix those is to put the property owners on notice that they have to fix a sidewalk. Now, in many cases, in different communities throughout the state, this sometimes works and sometimes doesn't work because you have a lot of residents who may not have enough money to actually fix their sidewalk. One of the things I brought up in our, our meeting with the uh, city council was to consider having a sidewalk program to incentivize property owners to fix then repair their sidewalks. So I wanted to bring that up to the group and see what you thought about something like this. One of the issues that other communities have found is that there are many more sidewalks than we have money to put into a program. So what they've done in different areas is they basically pick an area within the city to start examining sidewalks let's just say for the sake of argument Caledonia we'll go through Caledonia in one year and say okay these 10 areas need to be repaired and it might be appropriate if the city council would set aside money to incentivize it so that each one of the property owners could apply for let's say a thousand dollars to help them fix their sidewalk now there's other aspects to this as well. So if you have a tree that is planted by the city, then the city may have to come in there and repair some of those sidewalks. But I wanted to just bring it to your attention that there may be an effort here to help improve pedestrian access throughout the city with a sidewalk program. Now this hasn't been initiated yet, but it has in San Rafael and other places. So we might want to consider that. That was the first item. Now the second item we've talked about has to do with lanes and stairs. So Kieran brought up the fact that yes, it would be great to fix these stairs. And in some cases I would agree because they're, they're non-compliant. Now I have several examples for you and I'll just start with North Street Steps. The North Street Steps was damaged in 2019 with a, a soil movement that filled the steps and we haven't been able to fix it yet. And originally I thought that we simply had to put in the handrail that was there originally. Turns out we don't. 
we have to put in a lot more handrail, significantly more, almost three times as much handrail to be in, in, in conformance with the uniform construction standards. So what that also means is all the other stairs within the city are probably non-compliant as well. There's more caveats to this. Many of the land that was subdivided here in Sausalito was done long before my time. <laughs> um, for instance, at the end of Litho or at the end of um, uh, B Street, the end of Litho has a stairway that cuts up, that goes up to, I can't remember if it's Gerard or, no, Gerard's at the bottom. But there's a stairway that cuts up this portion of the right-of-way. The land around this area was subdivided in 1868, very old. In those dates and times, there was not a subdivision land act. And that's, that dictates how land is subdivided at this point in time. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is that do we know that the city accepted this land as their right of way? Now, you think, oh, yeah, of course we have. And maybe we have because we've maintained this stair. However, this other stairway, I think it's at the end of B Street, it's on a piece of private property. Even though there may be a public stair that's been utilized in that area, that's not our stairway. That's not, that's not the public stair. So there's a lot of little intricacies associated with each stairway that we kind of need to take a look at. We obviously do need to make improvements to them if they are public facilities. But determining whether they're public or not can be sometimes difficult. So I agree that some wayfinding is probably necessary, but some of the improvements on these stairways can be significant and costly, including handrails, step heights. Um, I think the one, one of those that goes off of Girard has a step height that's almost, um, I think it's like 12 inches and the, the maximum these days is a little less than eight. So there's a lot of little intricacies associated with the stairways. And I wanted to bring it up to the group that we're not ignoring them. It's just that they can get complex very quickly. So um, the idea is to continue to bring these up and pay attention to them. I know that some of the stairs are maintenance division. You met Lauren on our last meeting. Um, he does go in and try to maintain them as best he can. But when we have to tear out the actual treads and put in new ones, then we have to fix the handrails as well. And it gets complex. So I think those are my only two slides associated with this item. So I know we've, between Kieran and myself, we brought up a lot of issues associated with sidewalks and um, basically the, the future planning effort associated with sidewalks and stairs. So don't know if the group would like to discuss that or if we need to take public comment on it. Kevin, thank you. One question maybe before we get to public comment. Uh, we should take any other questions here. Um, on Bridgeway, we think of Bridgeway as, you know, so a lot of the rough sections of sidewalk on both sides, um, there are probably most traffic I think of um, as being on Bridgeway. Um, generally same rules there that the fronting property owner, it's their sidewalk, or is, is there setbacks there that it is city property on some of those Bridgeway That's sidewalks? That's a super good question. 
I think that we have maintained cer certain sections of the sidewalk in downtown, especially around the tree wells that we've installed as well. As you get to the north part of town, there is a section of sidewalk near Nevada Street that I've put the property owners on notice that that one needs to be fixed. We're, th that one's falling down the hill, basically. So there are different areas on Bridgeway, but mostly downtown, yes, I think we maintain most of that site. Gotcha, okay, so like that, the one that's falling down, is that on the northbound side, so the east side of Bridgeway, or northeast side of Bridgeway? Yes. And that, that, that is private property, okay, that's good to know. Well, the, the sidewalk may be in the public right of way, but it is the fronting property owner's responsibility to maintain that sidewalk. Gotcha, thank you. Okay, unless there's any questions, we can, move on to public comment see kevin carroll kevin i'm going to lower your hand and you're good to go kevin yep took a minute for the mute unmute thing to come up uh it was interesting because um while you were talking i didn't realize there was a langendorf set so i entered it into my google map and it does not come up Neither does North Street Steps, but what did come up was Lion Street Steps in San Francisco, which tells me Google Maps has the ability to put these things in their program, but maybe it would take a letter on city letterhead with a map showing where it is for them to do anything about it. And rather than just, it might be something you know, that's one way to solve this issue, but also it might be to bring this up maybe at the other public works managers, because if they got a bunch of letters from Marin County to different cities, since Fairfax, San Anselmo, San Rafael, a lot of our cities do have, and Mill Valley have these steps, that a concerted effort by the public works guys sending letters on Marin's behalf might get their attention to do something about it. And that's the benefit both the public that lives here and the, the visitors who come and who do hike around. Thank you. Next, I see uh, Karen Weiner. Karen Weiner, sorry. Karen, you're ready. Just to set the record straight, Weiner is just fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, uh, you know, I wanted to add we've seen a real increase of pedestrians and people using the streets around the hills, which has been a really, really wonderful outcome of the last two years. But the resources for people who walk on the streets above Caledonia uh, are very, very, very low. Uh, and there are countless super unsafe uh, intersections and areas just based on the fact that there's a lot of parked cars and a lot of fast-moving traffic on streets that are designed not for either of those things. So I know that's a much bigger topic, uh, but it might be something to think about down the road because I think there has been a real increase in just walking uh, in Sausalito, which is a wonderful thing that I think should be supported. So it's sort of the span between the stairs. Uh, might be one way of thinking about it. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Next is David Suto. David? Good evening again. Um, I totally agree with 
daylighting, I think the hurdle there is that um, that feedback needs to come up with some data and, and studies about how uh, daylighting can improve business uh, businesses in neighborhoods because as soon as you mention this Caledonia daylighting, you're going to have every single business on Caledonia Street complaining about taking away the parking. At, it, it's like a 10-year cycle in Sausalito. So um, it, I would suggest that maybe you find some some uh, reports to arm yourself and then go to EDAC and make your case to to EDAC uh, about daylighting. I totally agree. It's, I lived on Caledonia for years, and it's there are certain intersections that are really unsafe um, and needs some help. Uh, and, and I'm convinced that it would, would help the businesses, but I, I think you need to convince them because um, their knee-jerk reaction is the opposite. Um, and um, oh, the sidewalk program, uh, Director McGowan, I, I, I think that's a, where a side, you know, where a whole sidewalk needs to be rehabilitated I think that's probably a good idea. I think uh, in the past, though, I think I, I've lived in other places where they put liens on sidewalks, uh, liens on properties when they do sidewalk improvements that the property owners can't pay for. But I think I understand that they don't like to do that right now in California. Um, but I, my my question on that is, would uh, DB Tubbu be putting in? If they did a sidewalk program for a block, would they be putting in um, uh, handicap act, ADA access on the corners when, if, if there was a program to do that for a whole block? Thanks. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. Good comments. And yes, that would be the idea. Anytime we get close to those corners, we'd want to update them. Uh, Jessica, your hand's raised. I felt like I, I should raise my hand and not just speak up. Um, I I guess one comment on the sidewalk improvement, one that it is actually news to me, and so that's a, just an interesting piece, but I, I think it would be interesting if there were areas identified and maybe um, this committee is one that could assist with that, um, where collectively an entire block would maybe benefit and then having if there was a grant program having that offset some of the cost because um, then you know you're you're improving the entire area at once but also maybe having the neighborhood realize the benefit as a collective uh, contribution so just thinking about ways that maybe we could actually get more buy-in rather than just somebody having to put out money for a very small distance. Great comment. Oh, Bill Hines has raised his hand too. Great. Bill, you're you're up. Thanks, Kevin. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add that like the daylighting opportunity obviously goes hand in hand with the bike parking you know that we talked about where you have these areas that are less usable now because you want to make the the intersections more visible uh the, the may be the opportunity to add and incorporate bike parking into the streetscape so i would encourage you to think about them together um and the other aspect that i think is important to mention 
is uh, sort of the notion of the steppes in Sausalito as a part of a cultural uh, landscape. And, you know, there are uh, certainly precedents for hiking stairs and steps all over California and Marin County, um, you know, and certainly these more uh, kind of trail-like experiences don't require uh, or don't have handrails. And, you know, there's an element of risk involved in using them. And I think that there could be a case uh, to be made for, you know, the, sort of these historic steps and that, you know, altering and improving uh, to, you know, current building code, which is they're not really buildings, um, you know, may not be completely relevant. And uh, it may be an element of trying to understand the best way and uh, how improvements could be made uh, to improve safety, but not necessarily, um, you know, obligate the city to install handrails uh, everywhere. Because I think once you start with handrails, there's the fact that the uh, treads and risers are sort of open on the ends. Uh, and then you sort of get into cheek walls and guardrails. And, you know, there's kind of a snowball effect when the spirit of uh, those connections is, is, you know, really about the connection itself and being able to circulate. Um, I think, um, you know, I've certainly had some discussions um, with David Newman uh, about, you know, some of these cultural aspects of Sausalito. And it may be, you know, helpful to think about it that way uh, to better understand uh, once you look at the whole network, um, you know, as a whole, uh, how it could be uh, better utilized and improved uh, but also uh, not detrimentally so that these areas can be maintained as points of access. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Sue, okay. it looked like you wanted to make a comment, so I'm just checking. Uh, thanks, Kevin. No, I, I mean, great <clears throat> discussion and great presentations from both of you. I guess, um, and I had to step away for a minute, uh, so I'm not sure if this came up, but one of the things I wanted to add to the kind of pedestrian environment issue is the placement of parking meters um, on, especially uh, mostly on Bridgeway. I think that's mostly where we have them. Uh, it just is one of the things that has especially with COVID, I mean, I guess everybody got more conscious about their space, but I walk down there a lot in the very early mornings when it's dark. And, you know, there's just not enough space there. And I do feel like some alternative parking meter arrangement when our contract comes up and when it's financially, you know, prudent would be great to remove the parking meters from the sidewalk. They're just such an impediment to the pedestrian environment um and really narrow the right of way in a way that's um i just it's um it's visual clutter and it's um impedes kind of the enjoyment of walking along the street and um so i just wanted to raise that i don't know if that was part of part of the conversation is something kind of you know when we get the opportunity to upgrade our parking equipment or when it's next um being thought of that getting the stations um, that are only 
you know, once every five or 10 spaces would be great moving it off the, off the sidewalk. Um, I just, again, I already um, endorsed the daylighting efforts. I think that's great. And then, you know, from a, just a pragmatic perspective, I'm kind of echoing some of what Bill Hines just said on the, Karen, I love your ideas about the game, you know, the games and getting people out and about. I kind of feel like it's the opposite thing that that should happen and that can kind of happen organically with you and or this committee and others and then maybe that will inspire people to invest in signage and um, more wayfinding you know kind of instead of putting up the signs and then hoping people will follow I kind of I feel like it's more adventurous and um, you know kind of more of a challenge um, to go about it the other way and then hope that kind of people are invested and then want to kind of improve the situation. So I also feel like because the wheels of our city process move slowly, um, that you should take the energy and enthusiasm that you have for that project and run with it outside of this particular, you know, maybe with colleagues from this committee, but um, I, you know, the, in terms of the request for city budget, like while I love the idea, I just think at this particular moment in time that that might be a, a tough ask. And maybe it won't, and, you know, I don't want to be the, the wet blanket, but um, I love the idea. I just want to endorse the idea and the energy and the enthusiasm around it, but also just encourage it to, ha to happen. Um, and I don't think it needs any kind of city stamp of approval or um, you know, and there's already some really awesome books about our stairs and walkways and that can be, um, you know, um, promoted and added to, et cetera. So with the, not um, saying the long-term goal can't happen, but maybe not the first step being signage because that might take some time, but go with the idea and then hopefully the other ideas will follow. So that's it. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Susan. So, uh, uh, I think Jessica's hand was up first. Okay. Thanks, Regan. That'll be a quick comment. <laughs> there you go. Um, I guess just going off of what you were saying, Susan, about the um, the actual posts and, and the parking meters, I think something that just comes to mind and don't have a, a key point of where what to how to address this, but oftentimes in areas where there is not sufficient bike parking, and I think this just kind of ties it all together, I tend to use a parking meter post to lock my bike to. And so I think it just goes back to this whole need of really having that adequate bike parking, especially as those types of things start to go away, is it, it, it goes hand in hand. So that's just my comment. Thank you. Here we go. Yeah, thanks. This has been a really interesting discussion, and I um, appreciate everybody's point of view. One being the importance of these stairs as a public utility, um, because we as a committee have recognized in the past the importance of the stairs as emergency egress for this city in the case of, say, wildfires or other natural disasters. Um, and, I, and I think we have to keep that on the uh, forefront of our minds because, I mean, that's a real issue, right? We've got 
very limited ways of getting out of the city in the, in, in the case of a natural disaster. And so if we don't look, look out for uh, pedestrians and others who you know, have to go by foot for whatever reason, um, with regard to these stairs, we, we are doing ourselves a great disservice, but I think we're also um, perhaps not um, in compliance with our own standards, right? Um, this is a city that doesn't have very many sidewalks anyway, right? I live on a street that has no sidewalks. And at night, people want to walk their dogs, and it's a delicate negotiation between cars and pedestrians, and the smart pedestrians are carrying flashlights, but what, you know, that's, that's not terrific. Um, on the other hand, what Kevin has said about the historical question about who owns these stairs, that's, and, and how you can improve them without breaking the bank, breaking the budget, um, because you have to upgrade them to some uniform code, those are perfectly valid points. But I do think we have to establish what our priorities are. What, what, how do we as a committee view these steps? Are they a public utility? Are they part of um, our transportation scheme, our emergency egress scheme? Or are they just a fun little um, set of paths to hike around on? They can be both, but if we think that they are a public utility, and I do, then yes, they should be signed. Yes, they should be maintained. And and other things will follow. So that, that's my opinion. Great comment, Regan. And I'll say, you know, I use the steps heavily, um, not in the case of natural disaster, knock on wood, but you know, as a utility of just getting to where I want to go, let's say down on Caledonia, because of the nature of streets, which are, you know, have to follow a certain grade, you know, it, it would add almost 10 minutes to, you know, to follow the streets versus take the stairs um, in, in one example. So they, they provide a tremendous amount of utility, I can speak to that. Um, yeah, great topics today. Thank you, Kevin, for bringing up the sidewalk program. Um, my reaction to that one would be like, let's identify, are there particular zones, like Jessica, your, your comment about is there a block that could really use an overhaul on the sidewalk and the grant program would be useful to encourage that, make it slightly less painful, make it happen. I don't have a sense, you know, do we know what those blocks are, where they are? Does the grant program make a difference or not in those cases? So it feels like let's have it ready in our hip pocket not necessarily something we have to deploy. I, you know, I'd rather start with the priorities of what needs to help, um, largely because many of the highest profile sidewalks seem to you know, either be under city control or it's large commercial owners, um, like the Bridgeway example that, that Kevin gave, or in many cases, there's just there's no sidewalk. Yeah, I know for my walk, if I'm walking down, 80% of the walking is, is without a sidewalk, without a public sidewalk. Um, on you know, other other safety topics. I'm glad that you know we got commentary on daylighting. I mean, I know definitely appreciate that it's a tricky topic. Um, you know, and I understand it's you know it's essentially it's non-compliant in place now, 
Um, you know, the question will really, really be as paving programs come up, um, you know, Kevin, is that an opportunity for us to work with you to say, right, like, because I assume repaving means painting parking spaces back um, and the city would have to apply for an exemption or at least note the exemption if they're not going to follow that. I actually don't know. I wonder if that was done for Caledonia when it was resurfaced about two years ago. Um, before your time, I know Kevin, but um, th th it would be interesting to, to check and see if that was done. Um, but yeah, hopefully both on the, you know, as things get repaved, hopefully that's an opportunity to um, come up to standards. And then I love the ideas that came out of the community of, you know, can we find some of the win-wins, particularly in Caledonia and areas that we know are parking pressured, uh, but it's a safety issue and it's an opportunity um, to make, make people feel more comfortable walking more likely to go out and, and frequent other businesses, um, provide more bike parking, which will bring additional foot traffic and, and, and business um, to those, those shops. So, you know, I, I do want to find the one way in those opportunities. And I uh, hear you loud and clear, Susan, on uh, we'll take the more challenging route of uh, having, making people find the stairs for now. And uh, when, when it's a little bit healthier on the budget front, maybe we can do these until we find yeah, although I think Regan made a good point, um, and I think the Disaster Preparedness Committee has talked about, um, you know, uh, stairways and paths as emergency egress. So, obviously, if that is something that's going into our official planning process, then that's an even better, I mean, not even better, but it's an additional reason to prioritize signage. So, I think Regan we're gonna make a great point with that, as do you. Hey, should we move on to our next item at this point? Yes, please. Wonderful, so we're up to item six, which is project updates. And it's actually nice to have Bill Hines on the phone call, um, at least on this call. So I'm gonna share my screen one more time, maybe. <laughs> there we go. So um, one of the items that was brought up was a ferry landside update. Now we're, we're getting close to eight o'clock, so I'm gonna make these fairly quick. Um, we have a consultant, BKF Consulting, who's helping us with the Ferry Landside Improvement Project. Now, keep in mind that there are actually two projects here. One happens to be the Ferry Landside Phase Two, which Bill Hines is working on, which is more of a larger planning effort to try to possibly improve Lot One um, in the future, and I, I'm pretty sure he'll have some comments on this as I move my way through. The sketches before you this evening are a little um, from BKF showing some possible changes to Lot 1 in downtown. We have a meeting this week with um, Golden Gate Bridge Highway Transportation District, uh, Bill Hines and some other folks, Kieran, I think you might be joining us as well this Friday, to talk about basically the bike parking and the queuing which is a big issue here, is where do people queue up to get on the ferry? Where do they hike their, their bikes? <laughs> Sorry, park their bikes. <laughs> Must be getting late. Um, and may, mostly the connectivity over here to the future North-South Greenway and how this connectivity will work in the future. So BKF is playing with a lot of different circulation elements for lot one trying to make sure that it works well. 
They've even looked at maybe changing the entrance, closing this side off where my cursor is and having an entrance closer to Bridgeway. They've looked at having the entrance on this side as well. So there's a lot of things happening with this, but this big hurdle right now has to do with circulation and queuing. So we've got a meeting this Friday. I know that Bill is working with his team as well to look at kind of large planning issues and whether there can be future um, parking to offset this parking lot in the future. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump through my other projects really quickly because they're still on my, my item. And then maybe, Mr. Chairman, we can go to, to others to talk about this one. And I'll bring the slide up. Great. So, Great. Yeah, we'll hold. Yep, sounds good. So um, Bridgeway Bike Lanes, which is from Princess to Richardson, We've, got we've been notified that we can have a, we have a grant from, I believe it's ABAG and, um, oh, Bay Trail. Thank you, Bay Trails. <laughs> they have not sent us the paperwork yet. So we're being patient with them because we actually don't have staff to manage it right now. But as soon as we get the paperwork rolling, we'll bring it to city council and then go out to an RFP to, to secure a designer to design it for us. Nevada Street which is a, we've talked about this project many times. Uh, this is with Parisian Associates. We'll have to go back to council to have them update the uh, uh, Parisi's contract to move forward with that. So that's in process. Coloma Street is a grant funded project. We need to get the RFP or the request for proposals out. Um, Sausalito Beautiful is interested in this project as well. The, the full amount of the funding will not be available until next fiscal year anyway. So we can work on the design portion right now, which we intend to do, but it doesn't, it's not likely that we'll go out to bid until next fiscal year or the year after. We have some time on that one. So a couple other things I wanted to bring up as well. Um, over the last week, I think um, Vice Chairman brought up something about a county project that can be influenced here in Sausalito. The county uh, received some funding to, from the Highway Safety Improvement Program to update some signals. They are putting uh, some money into Sausalito's signals and it's basically making the signal lights, the actual physical light, a little bit bigger and putting some reflective tape on the back, um, I forget the exact name of it, but the back plate and there might be some PED signal improvements on a few of ours as well. They're not replacing the actual signals themselves. This is just small work that um, they've got some highway improvement money for. Most of the funding goes to the county itself on some of their bigger projects um, closer to West Moran and other places. So um, that it goes to guardrail, guardrail projects. Um, one of the issues that was brought up tonight was the, uh, the issue of sight distance and daylighting. I think this will come up when we study the section of Bridgeway between Napa and Johnson. Well, that's, that's on our CIP to develop a study, but I'm hoping that that study will actually identify these specific areas so that it can show that we can't have parking in certain areas in order to improve safety. So I think that's probably where we'll step into. Now, also the North Street steps, um, we've got a proposal back from Zapatini, who's an iron worker. They're having trouble getting, getting steel. A lot of things are held up in different places, but 
regardless, we have to move forward with that project and um, I think we're finalizing his contract to move forward. I don't have a date in which that steel will be installed, unfortunately, but I'll probably stay in touch with those who are interested uh, via email and let you know when it's going to start. So those are my updates. Uh, we do have another item, which is possibly future agenda items, but let's go back to item six, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, maybe um, take any questions before we get to public comment. I have one on the ferry land side. Do you know has BKF been doing essentially a square footage study to ensure compliance with 1128? So what I mean by that is on the right-hand side image here, Tracy Way is now part of Lot 1. It's no longer Tracy Way, it's Lot 1. Hence, Lot 1 square footage is potentially actually increased, um, which is not allowed under 1128. The left-hand side looks like it's potentially more compliant, but do you know how they've been doing that sort of evaluation? Yes, that's all part of the equation. Um, that's one of the reasons to bring you and your expertise into the meeting on Friday as well. I know you've been looking at that. But I, I believe um, that Friday meeting is only about bicycles, yeah. Okay. Um, but as far as the square footage, yes, they're going to have to get to that. At this point, I think they're looking at basically queuing, trying to make sure that we're in compliance with Golden Gate Bridge's needs, because that's the real emphasis behind the grant as well. Okay. Um, any other questions for Kevin before we move to public comment? Or, um, yeah, public comment. Okay, any public comments? I see David Zuko. David, I'm going to lower your hand and you're good to go. Hi, I'm just going to comment on that. The bike queuing for the ferry landside improvements, that looks excessive. Um, I think I saw a number of like 275 bikes. And really, if you have more than two boatloads of bikes queued, you, you, your system has failed. Right, and I think, and I think Golden Gate and Bloom, uh, Bloom Gold have done a lot better job lately at keeping those queue depths lower, um, which makes it easier on everybody because you don't have to figure out where to put them. People aren't waiting in line for two hours, um, you know. But we and PBAC has talked in the past about alternative queuing methods to keep people from milling around uh, the ferry landing and having you know 500 people at the waiting for ferries um, real you know really they shouldn't you shouldn't have more than half an hour worth of people sitting there anyways because that, that that's a failure for Sausalito businesses it's a failure for the the ferry uh, companies and it's a failure for Sausalito to have you know several hundred bikes sitting waiting to get on a ferry so I, 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 that queue depth looks a little excessive, um, and 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 I'm sure we could do better things with that that area, whether that's e-bike storage or park space or something else. I think that's exactly what we're going to bring up on Friday. Thanks, David. Oh, we've got another hand raised. Kevin Carroll, going to lower your hand. There you go. Oh, um, I didn't get my little mute thing. Um, just a major change 
because of COVID, is there used to be like about 16 different bike rental companies before COVID, and now it's down to about four or five. And the major ones are all um, allowing bike return in Sausalito for like 10, 12 bucks. Uh, you have um, at the joinery is the biggest one uh, with blazing saddles, but also park wide, which is combined with city something or other, are now taking them next to Barbachi too. And so I, I haven't hauled any bicycles in probably almost a month now, which is bizarre because it was almost daily uh, before COVID and even up through maybe about September, I had almost at least one, if not four, sometimes four and five a day. So the market is changing. And I think that's something that you might really want to talk to the bicycle companies themselves about their intention, especially now that there are fewer players in the game. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to get back to the old situation where you had 16 companies and only Blazing Saddle was taking returns and they didn't advertise it, but now they are. Uh, because as you've noticed, maybe if you're down on weekends, I'm generally the only one there most of the day, and there's only one or two guys showing up in the late afternoons, and there just is not as much business as there used to be. Um, so I think before you make a final decision on the queuing, you might really want to bring in those bike rental companies and talk to them. Yeah, they will be joining us in that conversation. Thank you, Kevin. It's fantastic having, uh, always having your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the city. Okay, I don't see any more public comment, so I think we can move back to the discussion. Uh, Regan, Susan, Jessica, any comments on this one? Uh, no, thanks. I'm good. I don't have any comments either. Yeah. Good, thanks. Great. Yeah, I think my only comment in, you know, in response to David, I think he gave you know, 30 minutes uh, before it's unacceptable. I would make it even shorter, right? If people are waiting more than five to 10 minutes to queue up for the next ferry that's coming in, we somehow let, let things go wrong, uh, especially in the context of um, having some basic technology to allow for whether it's a standby system or having people offload those bikes in other ways. The days of old, I mean, I experienced it before I moved to Sausalito. I had a day where I was trying to get back into the city. I got to Sausalito Ferry just as it was getting dark. And I showed up at the ferry terminal and they said, you're not going to get on this ferry. You're not going to get on the next ferry. You Maybe you'll get on the ferry after that because there were just that many bikes queued up. Um, you know, clearly, clearly should never happen. Uh, it has happened in the past. I think we have an opportunity here to get the right people talking and fix it. Um, and that will just create a lot of space for, for better uses. And Kevin, thank you for the updates. I mean, it's uh, it's great to see so many things where the wheels are in motion. Um, it's nice to see those grant funded things too. Um, just knowing that, that helps. Yeah, it makes me think, we, you know, I don't believe we have any grant applications in the works at the moment. Um, and so, you know, knowing that it's a long process should we, right? Like what, what I'm really thinking about, what do we get in the works next um, so that we can continue to identify funds for the city 
along with project management, uh, as I've learned. Um, and I, we have some of those on future agenda items, but, but certainly on my mind is, you know, what, what do we get an application in for now? Well, I think we're looking for some infrastructure money coming through. <laughs> Don't know when that will happen. Yeah, okay. Great, um, so I think we can move on to the next one, which is future agenda items. So a couple things to, yeah, a couple things for future agenda items to think about. We don't have to put it on the next agenda. We'll, we'll develop that later. But um, we, I think um, Aaron brought up some ideas about the North-South Greenway and taking a look at Bridgeway and looking at probably the North Area Bridgeway, considering a class four in certain areas. We might want to think about that in the future. Maybe we should take a look at um, where do we have a, where do we want to put a class four? Do we want to reduce the lanes going into town or going out of town? I'm simply talking about it. Might be a good idea for this committee. Um, some other ideas, North-South Greenway we just mentioned, as well as Second Street. I know we had a full study there from David Parisi several years ago. We might want to open that up again and take a look at it and see if it has some merit that we want to follow through with that so that this committee can develop its priorities and probably help staff to say, this is what we really think should be done in the next couple of years. Great, yeah, I think revisiting some of the class four ideas is a perfect feature agenda item, especially when we have Aaron back for a January meeting. So we're gonna not have a December meeting. Uh, next one will be January. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a great one, and it feels like one we could be applying, potentially identify some grant, grant sources to help us with that design. Sounds good. Just something for the group to think about. And then uh, other thing to remember is, is uh, the next meeting in January and February should be on the second Monday. Second, maybe it's not in your head. Second Monday, got it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, thank you for uh, accommodating that because always in the new year, it's uh, last minute to try and move it. So it's great that we have those lines in the past. Yep. May, okay. I suggest, no, may I suggest an item, please? Um, please? I think it's time that we return to the issue of Bridgeway and Napa Street intersection. I think that was first brought up about a year ago. And I don't think there have been any uh, real infrastructure changes. Um, and I think we should consider what other progress may have been made in the, in the meantime. I know there have been some developments in terms of our understanding of um, the capability of our local police force in terms of uh, enforcement after the fact. It has been made clear that the police force does have the capability of issuing citations after the fact. So we should, I think, return to that just in honor of the fact that we nearly lost a child from our community at that intersection and nothing was ever done about it. And it's time that our committee made sure that something was done about it because a year has passed since that has been brought up and I'm not sure anything has happened. And we owe it to our citizens to do something about that. So we do have a project on the capital improvement program that was adopted for studying that specific intersection. So the council did set aside some money to put into a study to take a look at that. And I also believe that uh, Aaron also brought up some ideas of 
even looking at a roundabout and looking at other safety improvements on that specific intersection. So it might be a good idea to couple that with that study of Napa to Johnson Street. Yeah. I was, I was assuming it was you it was one thing now, but is it still technically would it be two separate studies, Kevin? It, it, right now, the, the funding is labeled as two separate projects, but it doesn't have to be. We could, we could couple them together and take a close look at that. So yes, that's on our plate to get that RFP out so that we get a study of the entire section of Napa Street down to Johnson, as well as possibly coupling that with the intersection of Napa Street as well. Yeah, I think that last time we had discussed that, we while we listed it twice, we thought it made a lot more sense to go all the way from Johnson to Bridgeway uh, and Caledonia. Karen, because of the point that you made earlier in a slide about the fact that that specific segment has quite a few incidents, not to mention the one that happened that Regan is referring to. So, you know, doing that all, that whole piece, I think, at once could be incredibly impactful for the community and kind of going back to our earlier conversation daylighting and you know there's just a lot that could happen there that could be really um could be helpful and as Regan said avoid um future things so i'm super excited about the fact that it's on the capital improvement project list and that we might at least get started with a with a study um so that we could at least from the engineering perspective, you know, that E, we could move forward. Obviously, there's still enforcement and education. Okay. Thank you, Regan. Thank you, Susan. All right. I think that covers it. Um, shall we adjourn? Well, there's one more thing. Uh, okay. I just want to wish everybody a happy holidays. We're not going to see you in another month so have a great holidays eat plenty of turkey and then we'll see you in january thank you kevin thank you megan thank you everyone for helping us make this a reality thanks for all those who joined us today too thank thanks you. karen good meeting thanks kevin bye, bye, bye everyone thank you. Thank you. Bye. bye happy holidays